Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome back. I am Lee Lonsberry. This is Live Mike, and you're listening to KSL News Radio. 120 is the time. I want to tell you about something coming up in about 15 minutes here on this radio program. We will be hearing from state epidemiologist Dr. Angela Dunn, as we do periodically. She will walk through the numbers I just shared with you, the unfortunate development of two additional deaths here in the state of Utah attributed to the coronavirus. We'll also be hearing from Governor Gary Herbert and Natalie Gawkner. The expectation is that a new plan will be released, at least an updated version of the Utah Leads Together plan, specifically named the Utah Leads Together 3.0 plan. Now, what does that mean? There was a sneak preview of this plan just yesterday, and it seems that there will be a shifting focus on protecting those 65 years or older and those with the, uh, the comorbidities or the potentially complicating factors uh, which could lead to greater challenges should they be faced with the coronavirus. That is coming up at 1.35. You can't miss it. It will have great impact on how uh, our lives are lived here going forward in the state of Utah. Right now, though, I'm speaking to Congressman Rob Bishop, Utah's first district congressman. He, uh, as you know, was my boss for a long time. I, for about five years, worked in Washington, D.C. as his director of communications. And while I was there, there was a a piece of legislation which I was uh, able to witness him working on tirelessly, if I'm honest. And it is uh, certainly the largest piece of legislation uh, he brought through Congress during my time, if not his entire tenure as a member of Congress. And it is a massive package of legislation dealing with uh, recreation, conservation, uh, and the management, uh, all of that on public lands. It's called the John D. Dingle Jr. Conservation, Recreation, and Management Act, and it was passed uh, just last year with much uh, of the work being undertaken by Congressman uh, Rob Bishop at the time of its passage, serving as ranking member of the House Committee on Natural Resources. Now, there is an element within that massive package which deserves some explanation. You've maybe read about this uh, in the Deseret News. Amy Joy O'Donohue, who is a wizard on these topics, uh, explains it in great, great detail. I'll post that article on my own Facebook page. You can check it out there. But the headline reads, BLM conveys 790 acres to Uinta County to protect critical watershed. All of that demands explanation. Congressman, explain that to us. Well, you know, I hope people don't just look at this and say, oh, that's nice, because this really is a big deal. It was a major effort, a difficult thing to get done. But what happened is, if you remember a long time ago, when Chaffetz and I started doing, seeing if we could bring some resolution to the conflict over public lands in eastern Utah. As part of that process, we asked counties 
what they would like if a wish list of things that would change the, the nature of lands that could benefit the county. One of the things that the commission and you went at that time said was Ashley Springs is currently is the watershed for Vernal and Uinta County, and that it currently had some private property owners and some Forest Service land and some BLM land, and the bottom line was the Forest Service and BLM wasn't doing anything with it. They weren't even protecting it. And for every community, they realized why their watershed areas are extremely significant and important, and you want to make sure that they are well-managed for that very purpose. So one of the efforts that we did once PLI failed is to try and continue that on in, in individual acts. And one of them was for a land transfer. So the Forest Service and BLM gave up the land to Uinta County so they could control their watershed. Now, th- that in itself, can I stop you for a second? Th- that in itself is, is a dramatic thing. If I came to learn anything when I was working in Washington, D.C., to convince the federal government, regardless of the, the, the party in control, to relinquish control or ownership of parcels of land, especially to the tune of 790 acres, that's a, that's a rare, that's an irregular thing, and it's something which requires a, a lot of effort and convincing. Yeah, to be honest, we had a lot of other, we did some other land transfers in there. We actually did diminish the size of the federal estate in that property. But this was, this was huge and significant because you were right. There were those, especially on the Senate side, uh, and especially among staffers who just recoil at the idea that they would ever actually give up federal land for any reason, even though it is so logical as how you can defend and protect your water resources water sources in that particular county. And, and I had to go through with my staff as well. We had to fight through all sorts of, of iterations in which members of the, especially staffers or others in the eastern part of the United States that have this establishment concept in their mind that you can't give up any federal land, it's wrong. They kept coming up with other ideas like just do a mineral withdrawal or just do a partial withdrawal, do a reverter clause, or all sorts of silly ideas in which we kept playing Look, it is stupid. This land is important for the water quality of Bernal and Uinta County. And the federal government is not, is not protecting that. Give it up and let the county protect their own watershed. Um, it got to the point where, where basically I had to do some threatening with some of the other members that, you know, we'll, just, we'll kill the entire thing if you don't at least treat them well. And it was so amazing because they would, they would instinctively say, we can't give up this land. And then you explain what it was and why the county needed. And they would sit there and go, oh, well, that makes sense. But, but isn't there some other way without having to give up the land? Well, the answer is no. And this now, to me, becomes a template for how we deal in the future, especially you know, this week there's going to be other announcements made about land issues and land qualities. But the key element is how do you best have the land used so it helps people. There was, there was no problem. This did not harm recreation, did not harm wilderness. It actually benefited people by giving the land from the federal government to the county. Yeah. This gives us a template of how we can move forward in the state of Utah as we deal with specific areas of land that is either abutting a, a jurisdiction or within a municipality on how it can be best used to help people. And there's always going to be those that have this knee-jerk reaction saying, no, 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 you can't give it up because it's federal. It has to remain federal forever. Well, that's why this is such a big issue. 
I have just a minute and a half left with you, but I want to ask you this question. There is the perennial challenge when dealing with issues of this nature uh, as you try to negotiate things, convince folks, members of Congress, who represent areas in the East Coast that we here in the West Coast, or at least in, in the West, have a unique, a unique relationship when it comes to uh, recreating and enjoying and interacting with public lands. Is, is, that, is that misunderstanding? softening a bit are east coast members starting to understand more uh, the uniquenesses of the west out here no it 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 seems <laughs> it seems like once you get somebody you finally being able to teach them so they understand how people should be in control of their own futures and their own destinies they usually retire and you bring somebody else back new and you have to start all over again mm. and, and it simply is a mindset it, it's a silly mindset but it's one that everybody in the west has to face it sometimes that the East simply does not understand what it's like to have public lands and especially doesn't understand that things so essential to your future as the water supply are involved in this concept. That's, that's why this is, to me, this is 800 acres, yeah, but it's a big deal, big deal to you in the county, but it should be a big deal to the state of Utah because it's going to give us a way that we can see going forward of making cogent ar- arguments on how land can best help people, and that should be our goal. We'll leave it at that. Congressman Rob Bishop, thank you for your time. Thank you for your work on this issue. All right, look forward to speaking to you again. Thank you. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to be hearing from the COVID-19 Community Task Force. Dr. Angela Dunn, state epidemiologist, will give us a situational update on the numbers. We will hear from Governor Gary Herbert. We'll hear from Byron Russell, co-chair of the Utah Multicultural Commission, as well as Natalie Gawkner. It's expected that we will learn the details of Utah Leads Together 3.0. That's ahead on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio.